Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor of Mead, Middle, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. Yeah, how's that? Uh, he's pretty good. <laughs> oh, <Okay>. sorry. <laughs> yes, that was a fine introduction. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome even less. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're picking back up with Led Zeppelin during their Led Zeppelin 1 time era. Era, yes. Thing. You need people of intelligence on this quest. <laughs> thing. <laughs> that leaves us out. <laughs> so, uh, last time we talked about Zeppelin, uh, not last episode, obviously. Last time we talked about them, we had talked about their recording and they're signing and a little bit of touring. So now we're going to talk about the main tour starting December 68 when they came to America. Woohoo, yeah. <clears throat> well, I say came to America. December 68, they yes. played another handful of dates in the UK, but did want to go to America. Mm -hmm. According to Page, they, meaning the UK, United Kingdom, didn't want anything new. We were given a chance in America. Yeah. But as one <laughs> critic said, it's all improvised rock without any structure. What? Uh, the, um, yeah. Uh, I think asshat <laughs> vaguely sums up my thoughts to that critic. <laughs> Not sure how some people are allowed to be musical critics when they know absolutely jack shit about music or structure. <laughs> well, that's why they're critics and not musicians. <laughs> uh, at least unfailed musicians. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I love that quote from Paige. <laughs> <laughs> some critics weren't so bad, uh, or not even critics, but people in the UK uh, my, Mick Farron, uh, at one time he's in the band The Deviants, uh, they had opened for the band of Joy, or I'm sorry, uh, the band of Joy had been opening for them just a few weeks earlier, uh, but then all this happens with Robert and everything, and all of a sudden they're opening for Led Zeppelin, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he knew that Zeppelin was going to take off. Of course, Zeppelin's fly. Yeah, we and, until they don't. <laughs> Hence the first album cover. <laughs> oh, the humanity. humanity. <laughs> One of the shows, uh, Bridge Country Club on the 13th, December 13th, Jeff Beck came to watch the band. And, and he thought it was funny that Jimmy's amp blew up until he found out that it was his amp because Jeff's roadie had been renting his equipment out. <laughs> Poor Jeff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really. Um, as far as the band went, though, Jeff did say, he, I could see the potential. It was just amazing. Blew the house down, blew everybody away, and they had a better-looking lead singer and they also had Bonzo on drums, creating all sorts of pandemonium. And, you know, I, I personally, from a objective point of view, I would probably say Robert Plant's better looking than Rod Stewart, but it's not like Rod Stewart's a bad looking dude. <laughs> yeah. Poor Sir Roderick. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, after these, they were booked to play America. And, and I, I've seen different things. So obviously some of the people who write band biographies, don't do the research they should. Uh, I've seen where the band left England on the 23rd, sometimes even on the 25th. Typically, though, and by the ones I think who did better research, say they left London on the 24th of okay. December 68. Yeah. So they could be in America by Christmas Day because their first show was on the 26th. Okay. That was Denver, wasn't it? It was. It was indeed. And we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But I thought we'd talk about Christmas first. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do Christmas time. Uh, now I want to sing uh, the Snoopy and the Red Barrel. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, now before they left, Robert bought a little farm type of thing so they could have a commune. Well, yeah. What was the, what the book say? The 
so they could all have a commune and be equals, knowing damn well that Robert was the one who bought it. <laughs> but, but, but he did it so Maureen could have a, a little place with people around yeah. while he was out on tour. Because, you know, they just had a baby and didn't want to leave her all alone. So it was kind of cool. And they were hippies at the time. Yeah. Well, still, <laughs> still are. But. And uh, so speaking of plant, though, on him and Bonham, as the album and tour were unfolding, uh, and this, is, this goes back to one of the things you said last episode uh, about how going to America and everything, but it's the first time we'd actually found something that was substantial. It was musically amazing, and it was building around our own contributing, which made it even more amazing yeah. because we weren't coming along to replace anybody anymore. What was the Yardbirds was Led Zeppelin the minute we started playing. We were big fishes in a small pond in the black country, and suddenly we were in a world situation where we were sitting on planes together not knowing which cutlery to pick up. <laughs> so hence you know some of the insanity during those first years <laughs> yes and uh grant actually stayed home at christmas because he, he i talked last episode about how zeppelin was his family uh, but he did have a family he had a wife and children mm-hmm. um, so he stayed at home because he wanted to spend christmas with them and sent them off into the uh loving care of richard cole yes snicker snicker <laughs> And uh, one of the uh, neat things, so as we go through this, you'll see that John Paul Jones isn't always involved in some of the shenanigans. He had his own little space. Right. He started this now because he took his wife, Mo. She wouldn't go on tour, but she did go with him to spend Christmas with him. So while the band were doing other things, John Paul and his wife spent Christmas with singer Madeline Bell, who Jones knew from Sessions. And he goes, we had a soul Christmas and it was brilliant. (laughs) A uh, second ago, you were correctly, rightfully saying that they opened up. Their first show in America was in Denver. Yeah. Uh, it's at the Denver Auditorium Arena. So I'm assuming you also know who they opened for. Uh, no, I just remember it was in Denver because uh, I remember the story of them trying to get out of Denver in the snowstorm. And hence the loving arms of Richard Cole, snicker, snicker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was uh, Vanilla Fudge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, uh, Fudge, Vanilla Fudge, had to convince the local promoter, his name was Barry Fay, to let Zeppelin even play. Uh, they went so far to pay half of Zepp's requested $1,500 fee. So Vanilla Fudge really did help. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fay did say he's glad he changed his mind because saying how great they were and how he didn't know how spirit went on after them. <laughs> yeah. Local critic called it real groovy, according to the headline. <laughs> Although he did have a lot of nice things to say necessarily, but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, but still, uh, they played Train Kept a Rolling, uh, yes. I Can't Quit You Baby, As Long As I Have You, Days Confused, uh, Jimmy's White Summer, Black Mountain Side, and How Many More Times. Yeah. And and speaking of spirit, right. uh, <laughs> the, 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 they'll come up later, uh, but their song Taurus has some similarities to Stairway to Heaven, which I think we touched on yeah. previously. <laughs> and, and that actual whole thing may get its own episode, uh, not just yeah. talked about in four, but there was a song, I think it's on the same album as, as Taurus. It's called Fresh Garbage. And uh, you mentioned Zeppelin was playing As Long As I Have You, which, uh, uh, which is a Garnet Mims song. And when Zeppelin would play As Long As I Have You, they'd get to the middle and kind of do one of their jam things that they tended to do. Fresh Garbage was one of the songs they'd throw in there. <laughs> that, that, that shows up on a number of the bootlegs that were out that came out of this tour. Oh, neat. Neatly, uh, in December of this past year, 2018, uh, Denver actually announced Led Zeppelin Day to commemorate the 50th anniversary of that show. 
Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was neat. They made it a big thing. Nice. Kind of getting back to the, the fee, the $1,500, yeah. I, I would imagine it was a letdown for Jimmy. The Yardbirds were making 2500 a show. Mm-hmm. And Zep, actually, $1,500 was kind of high for them when they began. It could be as low as $200. Yeah. Because, you know, album wasn't even out yet. He probably knew what he's doing. You know, it's either going to make it or not, and might as well go all in. Yeah. You, you can find whole quotes from Barry Fay, the promoter on this, where he talks about doesn't know how spirit would go on after them and it's kind of a plight of plaza first and once they started playing people were like oh my god this is fucking great yeah uh, that's <laughs> that's not the quote barry gave but <laughs> kind of the audience reaction <laughs> and i guess the next morning uh max floyd a local program director called him and said hey did you have on last night our phone lines are jammed <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of nice and um the band actually gave barry fay a, a copy of the album because it hadn't been released yet Right. And he took it to the radio station and he played it continuously all that next day. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Uh, so yeah, the, yeah, but they played several of their first shows with no album out yet. So that one, right. uh, they played Fillmore's East and West, which we talked about yeah, Will Graham. A bit. Whiskey A Go-Go. They played the Whiskey A Go-Go. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I told you, right? I got to actually go in the Whiskey. Yes. In, yeah. really, you know, it was early in the day, nobody was there. I didn't even see a bartender. I'm not sure I was supposed to be in there, but the front door was unlocked. So I walked in, walked around, sat down in a few booths going, oh, I bet Jimmy and Lori made out here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they typically open for Vanilla Fudge. Uh, they, they did open for The Who at, at least once because Roger Daltrey talked about it and he said he's really impressed with Zeppelin. And I thought they were brilliant, impressed with the whole band. They were like cream, but with a lot more weight. <laughs> uh, Jack Bruce of Cream was really a jazz and blues singer, but Robert really knew how to rock. Yep. So uh, compared to Cream and Hendrix, that took it to another level. It just—you've mentioned some of these dates: the Whiskey, the Fillmore East, and Fillmore West. I've heard some of those performances. Outstanding, awesome stuff. Now their first, and I'm, I'm only going to mention this at a specific date: the first known bootleg recording was December 30th at Gonzaga University. Neat. That's quite early in the tour though. Yeah. It's, it's an audience recording that nobody's a, a, a soundboard recording has not turned up yet. So it's not a great recording, but it's, it's interesting to listen to. Yeah. It's, it's, Neat. yeah, it is. It's better than nothing. It's, it's really interesting to listen to. You want to talk about a powerful live band that they were it. I mean, they were, there's a reason the audiences were going nuts for these guys. So you know who MC5 are, right? Yeah, yeah. I just listened to the MC5 not too many nights ago. <laughs> nice. Yeah, for our listeners who, who don't know, kind of a proto-punk yeah. band. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, Wayne Kramer was the guitarist. Uh, they were out of Michigan, out of, out of Detroit. Motor City 5 was yeah. where the MC came from. But I bring it up because I, I did read a couple of different things. said that Zepp opened for MC5. I can't find that anywhere else as far as posters or anything, but I see a ton of posters and flyers talking about how MC5 opened for Zeppelin. I kind of have to go with that. Yeah, because my understanding was Zeppelin, once they got rolling, they were not the opening act for long. No, they, they would open for Vanilla Fudge quite a bit, mm-hmm. but they, they also started becoming the headliners. Yeah. I mean, I see why they would say that. MC5 formed in 64. So they've been out for a while, yeah. But they they hadn't released an album till Kick Out the Jams. They they recorded 
uh, same as Zeppelin, late October 68, but the album didn't come out till February 69. Yeah, that would make more sense. The only thing I could guess is maybe maybe the first time Zeppelin played Detroit, because MC5 would have been big in Detroit. And your mom. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and never gets old. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I, I'm actually kind of chuckling about it. I just... I'm, also irritated that you caught me off guard. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) moving on. Um, So during this time, the band was really starting to gel and play various songs during the shows, not just their own, uh, but they play old Yardbirds hits, which I think you've mentioned. Uh, They play Chuck Berry, Little Richard. And and like Jody did mention, um, sometimes they'd have a little, thing going on in the middle of a song they'd be playing a song then just throw in stuff but mm-hmm. they're very good at it if if you get i know the album how the west was or uh yeah how the west was yeah. one they have a couple on there and it's it's awesome the remastered version of that the uh jam and whole lot of love is actually shorter because jimmy took out one of those other songs i don't oh. know why i'm guessing it may have had something to do with rights and uh royalties it's the only thing i can figure I don't remember. I think it was Hello, Mary Lou, actually. I love that. That's one of the ones I actually love to listen to the most. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could be wrong on that. And now, And I got that. I... And it all started way back in 68. Yes. <laughs> Where, according to Robert, everything was fitting together into a trademark for us. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm doing? I'm getting us back in, in, in where we're going. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and he said, we were learning what got us off most and what got people off most. <laughs> And I guess uh, at the beginning, Bonzo, uh, he would start to mic his drums. At first, he's proud of not needing to. <laughs> That's why I've got 26-inch drums. I don't need a mic. Actual quote. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, he was told, though, with the other amplification, even his kit wouldn't be heard more than a few rows back. So he's like, uh. Yeah. Now, that's not a quote. That's me doing imitation of probably he's like, fuck you all, but whatever. <laughs> grumble, grumble, gripe, gripe. <laughs> <laughs> Plant. At the end of tour one, uh, the quote, I realized what Zeppelin was about around the end of the first U.S. tour. We started off not even on the bill in Denver, and by the time we got to New York, we were second to Iron Butterfly, and they didn't want us to go on. <laughs> I, I can see why. I mean, yeah. again, having listened to some of these, <laughs> you do not want to go on after that band. <laughs> nope. Yeah, Jonesy was pretty proud, too. Uh, talked about how they were professional, looked around, uh, and sound good, and like all the hippies that were finishing up their time, because you know it's that trans, this change where they're going from that psychedelic stuff to, to what we're talking about, the rock, like we mentioned last time. And just, we'd look around, and we'd sound good, and like all the hippies that were finishing up their time, who wandered around on stage, didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. But at this time, off stage, uh, so Jimmy actually says, "I can't speak for the others, but for me, drugs were an integral part of the whole thing, right from the beginning, right to the end." <laughs> we discussed in the previous episode Um, Uh but at first uh, from what I understand it was pretty much marijuana a bit of cocaine lots of alcohol so they still weren't doing the the really rough stuff stuff yet yeah heroin and and here I'm going to skip over the album so the album uh, its release is is in January they played their final show of this first tour a couple weeks after the album was released on uh, January 31st at Fillmore East it was also the last time they ever went on as openers. So at this point, they were still opening. But mm-hmm. at the end of the, after the first tour, after that, nothing but headliners. Uh, during the first tour, Page was interviewed, discussed his influences, 
one of which was Elvis's Hound Dog. Um, my reason I want to take guitar lessons was Elvis's Jailhouse Rock. Just good as song. a quick little note, that means absolutely nothing to anybody out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he also mentioned Chicago Blues, of which there's a good chance we'll do an episode on. Yeah. But if you want a bit of Chicago culture, listen to our Malort episode. <laughs> Uh, he also mentioned that the blues were associated with the devil and that did nothing but make it more attractive. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy talked about the crowds, uh, the size during the first UK and US tours, such as at the marquee holding a couple hundred people, which seemed huge at the time until they, you know, started really filling up the huge arenas. <laughs> yeah. And, and Jones actually enjoyed the smaller venues uh, that they started with. And uh, he liked the, the sort of small atmosphere, the, the mm. coziness. Yeah, um, But regarding American touring, uh, Jones also thought the radio was much better because FM had just started. Yes. And as they toured, they would stop at every shed, shack, and chicken run with an FM antenna just to get their stuff out there on the air. <laughs> and Jones actually loved America for other reasons, too. He talked about, because he toured with, with me and Harris, he liked America because the audiences actually listened. I guess in the UK, that was just something to go to, but the American crowds got into the music and actually dug yeah. it they they had played a, a venue in boston around this time called the boston tea party i think it was the last night they played there on this tour the show wound on wound up going on for like four hours they played their set and the audience was so into it that they wound up playing the entire set over <laughs> and, and then had to just start throwing out cover songs four hours that's that's quite impressive yeah <laughs> You know, Jonesy actually mentions that too. Uh, I don't have this one written down. This is one of the things I took out, but he did talk about how he and Bonham were so interlocked as the rhythm section that it would allow Jimmy and Robert to start to improvise and they could do just whatever songs, but then Jonesy and Bonham could just go with it and keep everything locked in so it still sounded really, really good no matter what Jimmy and Robert were doing. <laughs> yeah. And if you ever hear any of these bootlegs, you'll see that. <laughs> or, or you'll hear it. Yeah. <laughs> And one thing during this first tour that, that Grant wanted to do, it was to get the band noticed. Uh, for example, he made sure he got a picture of Jimmy taking a shot of whiskey with Janis Joplin at, at the whiskey. <laughs> and, and sometimes Richard Cole would sort of help maneuver this around and anything, but he was starting to create a legend that would follow the band. And if a rumor started floating around, they would make sure to give Zeppelin credit for it, no matter what band actually did it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, genius. <laughs> anyway, that was the first tour. And they would come back to the second year's tour in, in April. But first, they would play some more UK shows and another Scandinavian tour, although they were very small and low-paying venues. Uh, something like 20, 24 shows over a month, month and a half or so. Yeah. But at least here is where Plant really started to strut about, like that huge glowing golden god type of thing where he would <laughs> be physically glamorous. Although, even though he's like that, evidently Jimmy's still the one who took a lot of time on his appearance and would be primping and preening in front of a mirror <laughs> so he would look perfect. Oh, that's funny. A few thoughts about the Turing, a few final quotes. First is from Richard Cole, and this is what I talked about last episode. It gives him uh, gives some insight into his bashing of Robert. He goes, mm -hmm. Plant had an aura of arrogance around him, coupled with anxiety that created a shell that was difficult to penetrate. Uh, he must have just rubbed Cole the wrong way. Eh, sounds like Cole's just mad he couldn't penetrate Robert. Who, who, who's, who's not upset about that? 
Ian. <laughs> so Plant was asked about their relationship in 90, uh, 1988 and on Cole's drug use being over. And Plant mentioned Cole's attempt to make good with Robert because of some of Cole, a lot of Cole's uh, quotes were used by Stephen Davis and Hammer the Gods. Yes. And then that's where a lot of this comes from, talking about Robert's insecurities and everything. Yeah. But yeah, Robert kind of just tried to blow it off, make it seem like it's not a big deal. But but he did talk about how Cole just made a measly $1,250 for his help with Hammer of the Gods. And Plank goes, it was a sad case, really. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Another neat quote I liked, Vanilla Fudge Drummer. And you're going to have to make sure you correct me on my name. Okay. <laughs> but Carmine. Apathy. Apathy. So anyway, according to Carmine, we always wondered who the band was going to be that would come up and kick our butt. <laughs> and it was Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yep. Page quoted, we knew how good we were, the way the alchemy bonded and the way the band was to showcase each other off as serious musicians. Certainly the live situation created an extra element, a fifth element, which is Page's weird-ass alchemical. <laughs> well, I say weird-ass. I love the stuff, too. That would be the quintessential element. Ooh. No, seriously, that's where that's that's Quint. Yeah. That's where quintessential comes from. It's 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 Latin for the fifth element. <laughs> or or the fifth essence. <laughs> I have a friend uh who's in a band called Quinta Essentia and I typed it into Wikipedia and that's what it came up as is Quinta Essentia is Latin for the fifth essence, which is where you get the word quintessential. <laughs> oh, cool. And I and I bet Jason knew that because alchemy plays a lot into the lyrics of Quintessence's songs. Neat. Yeah, you've talked about him. Sounds like a good band. Yes. And also, fucking philologists. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Managed to somehow get a talking thing into the Zeppelin, <laughs> which will happen again in a couple of albums. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> To, uh, I mean, I've got a few more things on this, but real quick, the tour was covered by journalist Ellen Sander, who has actually gone on to do quite a bit. I think maybe had something to do with Cosmo later. She's a very well-regarded journalist, and I, so I don't want to get too off topic. Right. Uh, but she covered this tour, and she goes into wonderful details about 60s subcultures, and that would include groupies. And, and I like this. Uh, she has a neat little bit here, and she talks about how they work in pairs, sometimes gangs. They'll cooperate with each other to outfox whatever stands between them and the rock and roll boys, but only to a point. That is, they'll gang a door to get inside, but once it's broken into, it's every girl for herself. <laughs> uh, and yes, uh, speaking of groupies, that will actually be... Uh, so obviously the boys in the band were probably having a lot of fun, but um, we will get more into groupies as time goes on. Yep. But I will say... Uh, Miss Pamela is one of the most famous groupies you'll probably hear of from this era. Yes. And, okay. oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say Pamela DeBars. Yeah. Mar married to Michael DeBars. She'll make a bigger splash with Led Zeppelin in an episode or two. For this point, though, she had heard of Led Zeppelin. She hadn't met them yet, but she heard of them. She was hanging out with fellow groupie Cynthia of the Plaster Casters and saw a poster hanging on her wall, Cynthia's wall. It goes, yeah. four gorgeous Englishmen called Led Zeppelin. I listened and raptured as she described Jimmy Page, who was once in the Yardbirds, as being the most exquisite man alive on the planet Earth. <laughs> he already that's, had an... That's why he took so much time primping in front of the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jimmy. 
Evidently, he already had a reputation among the women of the world as being a heartbreaking, gut-riching lady killer wielding a whip in handcuffs. <laughs> a concept that appeared to be in total contradiction to his perfectly poetic, angelic face. Uh, this comes from her autobiography. Yeah, uh, She is very flowery in her writing all the way through. It, it's a good book. I have not read it yet. It's on my Amazon wish list. <laughs> Yeah, I read but it. Yeah, I'll, I'll eventually get around to it. I read it several years ago, and, and I'm glad I kept it because it's yeah, handy for what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even Plant talks about this because mm-hmm. he talk about Pagey walking around with all these beautiful chicks <laughs> from being known in the Yardbirds. <laughs> <laughs> and there is one specific groupie episode that happens at this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, I have one little thing I want to mention about it, but for the most part – you know, well, I guess two things that interlock. I, I don't know if I want to go into a lot of detail because it, it's it, like talked about a lot. So mm-hmm. if you know anything about Zeppelin, this is one of the things you do know. Um, but it's it's the shark, the mud shark yes. episode where they're in a hotel room and they use mud sharks to sexually gratify, get off, gratify a, a groupie. Oh, go Ella Fudge was there, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, and here's my, I'll give my little thing and then you can add whatever you'd like. <laughs> so one of the things is nobody's really sure exactly what was going on or if it's true or what happened, except there is an actual quote from Plant indicating that it did happen. And she, he goes, I was there in the room with Bonzo and his missus and my missus. She loved it. Uh, not, not my wife, the woman. <laughs> she, she thanked everyone. <laughs> and Plant says it, it did happen and the woman loved it she she really got off on it and got up yeah. got dressed and left but here's where, what you're saying uh, he did mention that frank zappa got a bit of cash out of it with his song mud shark which yes. is about the episode after the mothers of invention ran into vanilla fudge at an airport and were told about the event because vanilla fudge were also there yes so yeah they, they were there and um well, that was what seattle I believe so, yes. I yeah, didn't write was... any more notes because, but yeah, yeah, pretty sure Seattle. Because you could go um, fishing right out of the window into the, the uh, sound, I think, or yeah. the, rest of the bays. I don't have a whole lot on that. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I, think it, I mean, you, you pretty much said what needed to be said. Uh, it's, uh... <laughs> no, and some of the, the well, <laughs> it's a cross between either the coolest quotes or the trashiest quotes, depending on your attitude uh, of it. Yeah. But, but those also come from Richard Cole. Yeah. And so I'm willing to to move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that gives you an idea of what Zeppelin were up to at the very beginning. Yep. But yeah, that, that's that's it on their touring and everything during this Zeppelin one era. We could do the songs and stuff, but that would take quite a bit more time. So we'll we will make this a trilogy of Zeppelin one. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else, Jody? Nope. I'm good. Yeah. I'm great. Ha <laughs> ha sucker. <laughs> Uh, uh, you got me there. <laughs> okay. Well, until next time, I'm James. I'm Jody. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. I, I, well, I mean, not that I'm a great singer anyway, but I intentionally sang it as bad as I could. <laughs> well, that's what that was. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you've sent me the link to that. I. Uh, I should have listened to the before this episode. Yes, you should have. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Relax, Satan. No. <laughs> you try relaxing. Don't, t- don't tell me what to do. <laughs>
That's what got me trouble in the first. That <laughs> 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 <It> was good. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> 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 uh, fuck.